0: on the fruits of the spirit we've already gone through the first one so and that was the basically well what are the fruits of the spirit Galatians 22 and uh, I'm having a brain fade here so yeah love joy peace long-suffering gentleness goodness faith meekness and temperance those are all part of our testimony as a Christian, and how, for one thing, you interpret them in your life, and and, and also practice them in your life, but also how others view you, uh, view you in those nine fruits that should be in our lives. So, we're in the second lesson of this, and it's we're talking about joy so turn to uh john chapter one john chapter one starting in verse one in the beginning was the word and the word was with god in the word was god the same was in the beginning with god all things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made in him was life, and the life was the light of men, and the light shineth in darkness, and darkness comprehendeth it not there is a man sent from God whose name was John. the same came for a witness to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe so, you know just an interesting note to hit me. So that all men through him might believe. You know, that's how, that's how it's supposed to work in us. So that all men through us may believe too. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. And that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to bear witness. We're supposed to bear witness of that light. So according to Webster, Joy. The word begins class uh, and it's a radical in its radical sense is probably to shout or to leap or play or sport or ally, perhaps to joke and and uh, or juggle. this Now this is Webster's 1828. A lot of words have different meanings nowadays. And the fact that a lot of the words where they change the meaning is also ruin some meanings. Or corrupted some meanings. So says the passion of uh, emotion excited uh, by the acquisition of uh, expectation of good, that excitement of pleasurable feelings which are caused by success, good fortune, the gratitude of desire, or some good, uh, some good uh, possessed, or by a rational prospect of uh possessing what we love or desire gladness gladness, exaltation, exhilaration and spirit. And I gotta plug this in. As it was pointed out in lesson one, all nine fruits of the spirits proceed from the same source, and that'd be John fifteen one through eight. And uh we'll read that a little later. As we live in the days just before the rapture of the church, we are made to understand just how important it is for us as Christians to have a, have true God given joy. Uh, turn to Second Timothy chapter three. Second Timothy chapter three. Well, oh, you got your finger in that. I'm going to go to Matthew twenty four uh, six to eight. It says uh well let's not go there yet. There's some other things here. Second Timothy chapter three verse one reads This know, uh, this know also that in the last days perilous times shall come, for men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. We see all these things daily now, daily. And if you pay too much attention in the news, which... It's getting harder for Linda and I to watch it, more her. She just does not like seeing the news. We're only interested in what the weather is. (laughs) The weather that is outside, not the weather that's brewing in our government, in our nation, in our community, things of that nature. So there's a lot to be said of the acceleration and if if you've been paying attention to it, is going on with a lot of this. Seeing it, I I mean, I'm seeing it on the road. Just on the way down. I'm not being a real good law abider. Because if you are slow, you could cause an accident now. So I'm trying to keep it up a little bit but i'm having people go by me that are doing 20 miles an hour over what i'm doing. They're doing somewhere's between 85 and 90. I did see one policeman out there, uh state trooper, unmarked, pulled somebody over. But boy, they're flying by. They're flying by in reckless, going in and out. It's crazy. In Matthew chapter 24 uh, uh 6 through 8 Ye shall hear of wars, rumors of wars, see that ye be not troubled, for all these things must come to pass. He's telling us, they have to go by us. They have to, they gotta be in our lives. It's, it's, it's setting the world, setting the stage for what's coming up. But the end is not yet, for the nation shall not, for uh, for nation shall rise against nation, and the kingdom against kingdom, And there shall be famines, pestilences, earthquakes in diverse places. In these things, all all these things are the beginning of sorrows. Okay, there's a lot of sorrow. A lot of going on. I mean, just the world is attacking each other, which isn't new, but it's just constant. Well, the thing is, we hear about it more. A lot of the wars that... Or actually found in history were all followed in by skirmishes or predetermined by skirmishes before fighting. But we didn't have the TV at that time, back in 1700s, 1600s, 1500s, you know, and on back, constantly fighting. But yet now we see all over what's going on in the hate for, well, one thing, this nation, which we're not a whole lot different than the rest of the world as a whole, taking the the Christian theme out of the whole thing. But the whole thing is what is going on is just predetermining in trying to bring people to understand, for one thing, joy, has to be present because we that know the word of God know that there is an end to this and God will take over. But it's also to bring the unbeliever to Jesus Christ. And it's also a responsibility of us to try to help somebody along. If they're having questions about this, we have a testimony in Christ. We have a Bible, carry a new Testament or just a track and tell them, hey, this isn't over. This isn't over, but yet there is going to be an end. And Jesus Christ is going to take care of this. So we see all these things happen, and it says in Matthew chapter 24, verse 12, And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. You know that love of many is also pointing to Christians, whose love is waxing cold. So to the unsaved, their love for their fellow man is waxing cold. So it's, you know, it's either eat or be eaten out there. It's getting worse. So we see that basically the, the verse is plainly uh, that any circumstantial love in the latter days will be... uh Uh, will be short-lived and fleeting at best. I got two words hooked up in here. While, uh, while it is true that uh, God given us richly all things to enjoy, we had better determine in our hearts to build our hopes, expectations, and our whole lives even around the source of all true joy and gladness, the Lord Jesus Christ Himself. All other joy is temporary and circumstantial. So God, start with, wants his people to be joyful. Turn to Philippians chapter three, verse one. We're to be joyful, even in our worst times, our roughest times, be joyful. Philippians 3.1 says, Finally, my brethren, rejoice in the Lord. To write the same things to you, to me indeed, is not grievous, but for you it is safe. And turn to Philippians 4.4, 4, right in the area there. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. A Christian is commended to rejoice in the Lord. The Christian has a capacity for joy in spite of circumstances. This is illustrated, as Paul says, to me indeed is not grievous, meaning that Paul did not consider it a great burden to rejoice even though he was found himself in jail. And the Christian is uh, commanded to rejoice in the Lord all way when our joy is God-given, we can have it all way. Proverbs fifteen uh, fifteen fifteen says All the days of the afflicted are evil, but he that is of a merry heart hath a continual feast. Merry heart, a continual feast. I guess that's a feast of joy. I'm to Hebrews chapter twelve two God's nature exudes joy. In Hebrews chapter twelve, two, looking unto Jesus, author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When Haydn, great composer and musician, was once asked why his church music was so cheerful, he replied, When I think upon God, my heart is so full of joy that the notes dance and leap as it were from my pen. And since God has given me a cheerful heart, it will be pardoned me that I serve him with a cheerful spirit. Cheerful. You could be cheerful and some of your life. You go, what? what are you, what are you, telling yourself a joke or something, you know, or something like that. And I said, no, I'm just happy in God. I'm just happy in the Lord, because God is good. So he exudes joy. He wants us to show that joy. It has to come out of us so we could have an accepted presence also in the world to say, look, at, I'm different. Not different like, I'm crazy, you know, and nuts, But joyful in, they may say, okay, why don't I have that? You know, I've already seen this experiences where this Christian has gone through and some of the things that's happened to him and he still shows joy. Psalms chapter 16 verse 11, thou wilt show me the path of life. In thy presence is fullness of joy. At the right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. Pleasures forevermore. That you know, if fullness of joy is found only in the presence of God, then it stands to reason that our God is a joyful God. He is not that scary white-haired guy with red eyes. You know, Jesus Christ is going to do that, and he's not sitting there around the corner waiting for you to come by so he can whack you with a two by four. That's not God, but he's just. He is just. And it stands to reason that our God is a joyful God, or he would have no joy to give us. The phrase, at thy right hand, there are pleasures forevermore, shows us that the only real and lasting pleasure comes from God. The contrast of this pleasure with pleasures that are sinful by nature, so in first Timothy chapter five verse five and six now she that is a widow indeed and desolate trusteth in God and continueth in supplications and prayers night and day, but she that liveth in pleasure is dead while she liveth, and then Hebrews chapter eleven twenty four and twenty five by faith Moses when he had come of years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. Can you imagine he just, okay, I'm, he hadn't been told before everything took place in Exodus that we read, other, except for the first two chapters, that he was not an Egyptian. He was of the people, the Israelites. And so he took it upon himself to try to live a life at that time, even in the palace of somebody who was not of Egypt. That had been hard. So we need to exude joy. That joy's got to come out of us. If you bottle it up, it's either going to die off or it's going to bubble over and something will happen, which is a joyful thing. And then people say, okay, there's something different here with this guy, this lady. Also, God's joy is a Christian strength. Turn to Nehemiah Nehemiah chapter 8. Give you a little time to get there. You know where that is? Way back, way back, way back before Psalms. Nehemiah chapter 8. Starting in verse 10. Then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levite stilled all the people, saying, Behold your peace, for the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Any idea what mirth means? Got an idea? Okay. It's gladness and laughter. It was exuberance. It was exuberance. So they were so happy about what was going on and trying to bring Israel back to Jerusalem and things like this. They were just happy. It was bubbling over. So there was great gladness. The joy of the Lord will give us endurance when the going gets tough. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2 says, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. If there isn't joy in the world, in your your heart, listen, in the world is different, but if there's not joy in your heart, especially for meeting with other Christians, And realizing that God is still in control of this whole thing that's out there and going on as we speak outside of this, these walls and outside of other churches walls, then maybe you're serving the wrong God. You know, we can serve other gods, the gods of selfishness, you know, of envy, of greed, things like that. Hebrews chapter 12 verse 11 through 13. It says, Now, no chastening for the present seemeth to be joyous, but grievous. Nevertheless, after it yieldeth the uh, peaceable fruit of righteousness unto them, which is exercised thereby. Wherefore, lift up your hands, which hang down in the feeble knees, and make straight the paths for your feet, lest it, lest that which is lame be turned out of the way. But let it rather be healed. Joy heals. If you have a joyful, joyful heart, you can heal. Merry heart maketh like a medicine, right? Also, in Proverbs uh, seventeen twenty two says, Merry heart, and there it goes, maketh like a medicine, but the broken spirit dryeth the bones. So you can tell I've gone over these notes a couple of times because they're popping in my head before I want to read them. But uh I, th- th- I find this is a, a very compelling but also a serious thing to do to try to give out the Word of God. If you've never tried to do it, you ought to try to do it because it helps you. It really does. It, it helps you... Clean up some of the things in your head by saying, okay, don't worry about that stuff. You got joy. You got love. You don't have to worry about it. It's all taken care of. In John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8, I am the true vine and my father is the husband. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it that it may bring more fruit. Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Abide in me, and I in you. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine. No more can ye, except ye abide in me. I am the vine, ye are the branches. He that abideth in me, and I in him, the same bringeth forth much fruit. For without me ye can do nothing. If a man abide not in me, he is cast forth as the branch and is withered, and men gather them up and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ye shall ask what ye will, and it shall be done unto you. Herein is my Father glorified, that ye bear much fruit, so shall ye be uh, my disciples. It says, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ, and make no provision for the flesh to fulfil the flesh, uh, the lust thereof. That's Romans chapter thirteen verse fourteen. So we see in many things here. That after examining scriptures, it could be clear that a discouraged and joyful Christian cannot serve the Lord Jesus Christ effectively. He can serve, but he can't do it effectively. It is important that we put on the Lord Jesus Christ and thus we will be able to dig wells with shovels of sorrow. And I'm not even sure what that exactly means. But sometimes in sorrow, it helps strengthens us because we, we trust in God and He brings us to points where we could be used, especially in giving testimony. Yeah, I've been through something like this and this is how God has provided a path for me to get through it. For those who build their houses on the Lord Jesus Christ and not on the fleeting circumstances and shifting sand of His life, there will be a continual joy that, uh, that blessed, blessed fruit of the Spirit regardless of circumstances. The joy of the Lord is real, lasting, and strength imparting to those that enjoy blessings. You know the story of the foolish man that built his house on the sand. What happened when everything started blowing and the winds come up and the rain started coming, and you know, as the song goes, and house on the sand went flat. Sunday school song. That's a Sunday school song. So if we're building on shifting sand, and that comes in all forms, Especially in our ego. That house won't stand. You gotta do it and build it on the Lord, on the Word of God. Christians should always be joyful. Turn to Luke chapter 10 verse 20. Luke 10 verse 20. Luke 10 20 says, notwithstanding it is in this uh, rejoice, not that the spirits are notwithstanding in this rejoice, not that the spirits are subject unto you, but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven. That's something to be joyful about. Our names are written down in heaven. Romans chapter 14 Verse 17 says, for the kingdom of God is not meat and drink, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. I guess it's the kingdom of God is not something that we consume. But we introduce to ourselves through the word of God. We read it. And we let it penetrate through our eyes and our mind to realize that joy is something that God wants us to have. So we see in those two verses, there's a lot of things just going on. It's our salvation has given us joy. And that should be an automatic thing in our life. If we're not experiencing that, then we're not remembering what was done for us at the cross. The conversation of others will, be, uh, it should be joyful so you can tell through other people's testimony and other things like that, but also to give out the word of God so that through the conversation of others, we can have joy. We can rejoice when we see other Christians that are going through some tough times and they're getting something resolved. Uh, health or whatever. And it's a benefit to see His people happy around us also. in <clears throat> Luke chapter 15, verse 1 through 7. Then draw not near unto Him all the publicans and sinners to the hear Him. Talking about Jesus Christ. Talk, to hear Him that the Pharisees and the scribes murmured, saying, This man receiveth sinners and eateth with them. And he spake this parable unto them, saying, What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he lost one of them, doth not leave the ninety and nine in the wilderness and go out after that which is lost, until he find it? And when he had found it, he layeth it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he come home, he called together his friends and neighbors, saying unto them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I say unto you that likewise joy shall be in heaven over one sinner, one sinner that repenteth, more than over ninety and nine just persons. Which need no repentance. So there's joy at the conversion of others. There's joy in the conversion of others, seeing that one lost sheep coming forward to ask Jesus Christ the same. Can you remember that day? I don't know where you did it. I I did it. it I did behind the uh, piano, a grand little baby grand piano like this with the associate pastor. And uh, he asked me, well, what would you come up here for? I don't know. He said, would you like to know that your sins are forgiven and you're on your way to heaven? I said, yeah, I want to know that. And he took me behind that piano and he showed me from the Scriptures how I could have eternal life. That was August 16th. 1970. And Linda was talking to somebody else. And she didn't have my last name yet. And we got saved the same day. Yeah, which is kind of unique because it coupled with our marriage, we both got married the same day. So, so we got married to Christ. We got married to each other. But yet, all through this thing, we've had each other in it, but the thing is, in that we just, we've had joy since we've had it. Now, we've had tough times, we've had discouragement, but ultimately, ultimately, God remembers us and helps us through it. Philippians 4-1, therefore my brethren, dearly beloved and longed for, my joy and crowns, so stand fast in the Lord, my dearly beloved. That's Jesus Christ basically in the word of God telling us through Paul to stand fast. Stand your ground in your spiritual life. And then Thessalonians chapter two, verses 19 through 20. For what is our hope or joy or crowning of rejoicing? Are not even ye in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ his coming? For ye are our glory and joy. Thessalonians. So the other thing is Christian fellowship. These are things that Christians, again, should be joyful for. Christian fellowship. Turn to Romans chapter 12, verse 15. Just a real short verse. Romans twelve fifteen, Rejoice with them that do rejoice and weep with them that weep. We need that. We just had a service last week. I'll tell you one thing. Wanda isn't weeping anymore. She's joyful all the time. And joy comes even with our meeting I don't know if she knew it or not. Who knows? You might have so much joy, you don't know what's going on, and it doesn't matter that much to you anymore. Because she has the realization of really what's going on, because she's got all the information now of what's all going on. And it goes for anybody that goes to heaven who is a Christian, that knows Christ as their Savior. they got the whole picture now. So we see that Christian fellowship is important. Just like being in church, it's good being here and seeing. It encourages me. It encourages our pastor when we show up for services. Because even though he's preaching and he's working there to bring the gospel, it is joy to him to see us. Because it shows our obedience to being in church. For not seeking the assembling of ourselves together. So, there's also another thing that Christians should be joyful is the eventual destruction of the devil's power. Turn to Romans chapter 16 verse 20. And the God of peace will bruise Satan under your feet shortly. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. So something's going to happen with the devil. Well, what's going to happen? Turn to Revelation chapter 19, verses 1 through 5. Last book in the book. Revelation 19, verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments. For he hath judged the great whore, which did corrupt the earth with her fornication, and he hath avenged the blood of his servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia. And her smoke rose up for ever and ever. And the four and twenty angel uh, elders, and four beasts, fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne, saying, Amen, Alleluia. And the voice came out of the throne saying, Praise. Our God, all ye servant His servants, and ye that fear Him, both small and great. So there is going to be a destruction of Satan's powers. Now we also see that there's going to be a destruction of Satan himself. If you turn to twenty, verse ten, so you're there in the neighborhood. It says uh, in Revelation 20.10, And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. It's cast into the lake of fire. So, a lot of things are going on at those last days. After we're out of here, we're talking right you know, well, we're talking after a thousand year reign, I believe, on this part here. He's, he's done, done for good. Cause he's already been trying to stir up everything for the previous thousand years after we had already left. So we see in that, that there is a resolution that involves that wicked one and it's taken care of. Now the last thing we're going to see that should make, uh, Christians joyful is our eternal home. John chapter 14 verse one through six says, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. In my father's house are many mansions. Why do people have so much trouble believing that God has a house? Cause you'll read in your Bible, you'll see, here is the house of David. And people that have a family belong to the house of whom the patriarch of that house has his name. They say, well, it's not a house. You know, it's not a mansion. There are many mansions, but it's a house. And how could it be a house if it has a mansion in it? You know, they're not understanding. They're not understanding. They're all wrapped up in what they think the world will understand. Because they're having a hard time understanding it. But in God's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there ye may be also. And whether I go, ye ye know, and the way ye know. And Thomas said unto the Lord, We know not whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? And what does Jesus Christ say? I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. We have an eternal home. And if you turn to Revelation chapter 20, or 21, let's turn to 21 first. Revelation chapter 21. So, I need to get my book out here too. See if I can get my fingers to work. So we'll see in Revelation, what does the first paragraph say? The first verse say, and we'll we'll do verses 1 and 2. And I saw a great uh, new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth were passed away, and there was no more sea. And I, John, saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down from God, out of heaven, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. That city's coming down. We can rejoice. In the fact, we have an eternal home. There is an eternal home. You know, and we got a mansion in that place. So, And then if you read all the rest, you see it, but there's one thing though, it's, it's blessed to be, and this is a note that I added to this thing as I was going through, because God imparted to me that, you know, there's going to be disappointment too. So you're in 21, back up a few verses, starting with verse 11 and 20. And I saw a great white throne and him that sat on it from whose face the earth and heaven fled away and there was found no place for them. New heaven and new earth, right? It's just gone. There's a new one coming because that's in 21. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, And the books were open, and another book was open, which is the book of life. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. Who are we talking about here? Who are the people that we're talking about? Any ideas? Go ahead, you can talk. So this is not believers here. It's unbelievers, like he said. The unsaved. We're going to all stand there. And I believe we're going to be observing all this because we're up there. We're going to see it. And I saw the dead and small and uh, great stand before God, and the books were opened. And another book was opened, which was the book of life. So we got books and book. What is the book's? There's 66 of them here. In another book that was kept. You find that in the Old Testament as well as the New Testament. And the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in them. And death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. And they were judged, every man, according to their works. Everybody wanted to be judged according to works, when I tried to talk to him about salvation. Well, I'll be judged. I've done a lot of good things. I haven't done that many bad things. You only needed one. And death and hell were cast in the lake of fire. This is the second death. And whosoever was not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. It is joy to see and remember our salvation and seeing the conversion of others and having Christian fellowship while on this earth and the, and then realize when we're gone, we're going to see the eventual destruction of uh the devil's power and eventually the, his destruction gone. Because if you go back to verse 10, it says, "...and the devil that received them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone." Where the beast and the false prophets, prophet are and shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. So just before the great white throne and all the people that are there before God for their judgment sees the devil gone. They may think, okay, they could rejoice, but you know, there, there's something that just drastically happened here with this whole thing in that standing before God, And saying, okay, I got a chance to answer for myself. They're going to be found wanting. Going to be found wanting because they didn't trust God's son for their eternal life. So there will be no joy without a little sorrow first when we get to that eternal home. So in between, the the verses of uh 19, 1 through 5 and then 20.10 in the Great White Throne, there is sorrow because I think we're going to be experiencing those that we didn't witness to. Okay? Because their blood to be on our hand because God is saying, give that guy a track, go talk to him. He needs help. Just give him a comforting word and tell him that Jesus Christ died for them. We're responsible to those people. We're responsible to everybody around us. And it's hard to do that because how wicked the world's getting. But the more wicked the world is getting, the more they need Christ. So it's imperative we get the word out. It's an important. We go to God's word Baptist church. There's a responsibility just in that name alone. But to anybody, there's a responsibility for every one of us to answer the call just to bring the word to somebody so that they could get saved. There's a call for everybody to be out there and giving out the gospel. And it's there's joy at being saved, but there's also in this time, there's going to be a lot of people that get cast in the lake of fire. I don't know how much joy I'll have when I see that I didn't do my part as I should have. So, basically there is joy and we'll have everlasting joy because the author of Joy and Peace will be there right in front of us and God on His throne. Let's bow for a word of prayer. Lord, we come to you now realizing that you've done so much for us. You want us to have these nine fruits of the Spirit. First talked about love, now joy. And help us to exude those when we get out there. It's hard to do it sometimes when people are cutting you off or treating you so mean or going nuts about some silly thing that, you know, you see that they're so consumed by the things of this world, they don't realize that they fleet and fall out of their hands at any time. And I pray, Lord, that you help us to be witnesses. You help us to be in prayer for the lost. Help us to show joy that through it we could win others. Help our loved ones, help lost family. You know, they, they already label us as a nut. But you could tell them how much joy it brings us and how much more love we have for them because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross for us. And I pray, Lord, you be with the rest of this day, Lord, through these services later. And may Jesus Christ be honored and glorified in the things that are done and said. In Jesus' name, amen.